little hot here in South Africa for me. I live in the north. It's probably snowing at my house right now. Well, according to our brother Michael, Christ is unlimited. So even though this is our third meeting in one day, our endurance on us, it's unlimited. Are you tired, Jules? Me neither. I'm enjoying the all-inclusive, all-extensive Christ. But so are you, right? Okay. Get ready. Here we go. One more. Can you think of a better way to spend a day than this? We're letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Best way to spend a day. But it's mysterious. The people out there think, what what are they doing in there all day long? It's a mystery. Now, the title of this message is very particular. Let's read the title again. This is an extraordinary phrase. Taking Christ as our person. What does that mean? We use that term, but what, what does that mean? And we take Christ as our person for the one new man. And I pointed out before, there's a distinction. It's a fine distinction, but it's an important distinction between the body of Christ and the new man. As the body of Christ, we take Christ as our life. As the new man, we take Christ as our person. And it's, when we come to a statement like this, taking Christ as our person, we should always ask this question, not just about this statement. Where can I see that in the Bible? If, if, if there is such a thing, as taking Christ as my person, I should be able to see it in some specific place or places in the Bible, right? Now, all of you are going to get the next question correct. What are the two best verses in the Bible that show us that we should take Christ as our person? There's, there's a lot. But what are the two best? And Galatians 2.20. That's why we repeated them four times. Those are impressive verses, aren't they? They really do talk about what it means to take Christ as our person. Ephesians 3 says that Christ, the person, Christ may make his home in your heart. That means one person is replacing another one. You know what? You need to be replaced. And me too. 
We all need to be replaced by Christ. You know, I met a, a dear brother on the break who's a surgeon. Uh, but only Christ can do the surgery that we need. We need a person transplant. We don't need a heart transplant. We need a person to be within us to become our person. Now on the outline, Roman numeral one, there's a little typo there. It says Ephesians 8.17a. And just so you know, there's only six chapters in Ephesians. So that eight should be a three. Just don't want you to get confused. Now, the words in this outline are quite simple, but the the thought is really profound. This outline is like reading John chapter 1. The words are exceedingly simple. The thought is exceptionally profound. Roman numeral one says, for the new man, we all need to take Christ as our person. And in this new man, which is the church, which is the body of Christ, there's only one person. It's mysterious, isn't it? You know, inside this body, inside this human body, there's a person. And... Unfortunately, it's Mark. But in your body, that's you. You're the person in there, right? In the body of Christ, there can only be one person. And who would that person be? Not you, not me, just Christ. Of course he's the person. That's his body. That's his body. So Christ is the person. And is it possible that all of us together could be made one person in reality and in practicality? Is it possible? It's possible, but it's really mysterious, isn't it? It's really a mystery. Christ, sorry, number two, we need to see that the church is the one new man and that in this new man, we have no place. No place for you, brother. Sorry. And no place for me. For Christ is all. And here I would like to read with you verses we didn't read. Colossians chapter 3, 10 and 11, I'd like to point out something in these verses. Sorry, when I'm traveling, I have to use the, uh, the lightweight version. But I prefer the other one. Okay, Colossians 3, Listen to this. 
uh, and have put on the new man. Some translations say, put on the new self. Yuck. (laughs) The best version of the self is pretty bad because it's still the self. The Greek word in this verse is anthropos. That's man. It should not be translated as self. Put on the new man, which is being renewed. You know, the way this transplant takes place, brother, it's a renewing. It's a renewing unto the full knowledge, unto full knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. Now listen to verse 11. It's very emphatic. Where there cannot be, there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free man, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, Greek and Jew. There can't be different nationalities in this new man. There can't be different cultures in this new man. But here's the problem. We come from different nationalities and cultures, and that means all of us need to be renewed. Not to live in our nationality, not to live in our culture. That's why this kind of blending is so profitable. You know, just so we're clear, this blending is not to blend Americans with South Africans. No, it's to blend out the American and blend out the South African and then the Christ in you and the Christ in me is blended together. Okay? And there can't be circumcision or uncircumcision. This is connected to religion. And we can't bring that into this new man either because we all have different religious backgrounds, don't we? And there can't be barbarian or Scythian, the... We all know what a barbarian is. A Scythian is an even bigger barbarian. We can't bring that culture that we have into this new man. And we don't bring any social status. We don't bring slaves or free men. All of those differences have to be eliminated. National differences, religious differences, cultural differences, um, social classes. We only have one class here. We're all zero. And Christ is everything. And the end of the verse is often misunderstood because it's a very strange way of speaking. You know, I often say in the next age... When I meet Paul, I've got a long list of questions for him. This is going to be one of them. Paul, you said that Christ is all 
and in all. So did you, are you telling us that Christ is every part of this new man and that Christ is in every part? And I'm pretty sure Paul's going to say, that's exactly what I meant. I meant that Christ replaces you. So now Christ is you as part of this new man. And Christ is in you as part of this new man. Strange way of speaking. Only Paul could come up with such utterance, I think. Okay, let's go on now. Christ, oh, let me repeat. That's why we say, there's no place for you here, brother. Sorry. No, no, no room. But we have a lot of room for the Christ in you. We just don't have room for the old you. So let's be renewed. You and me. Okay? And that renewing, by the way, as Brother Michael pointed out, that renewing is mainly in our thinking. Be renewed, Ephesians 4 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's our mind that needs to be renewed. And Romans 12.2 says that we are transformed. Well, let me quote the rest. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Or you could say, do not be fashioned according to this age. And then, right after that, it says, we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So you know what transformation is? Transformation is mainly the renewing of our mind. And that's what will make us the new man. And to not be fashioned according to this age, don't think of that in a shallow way. It doesn't mean don't dress like the worldly people. No, it means don't think like them. Don't think like the philosophy that is pervading this age. And Brother Michael mentioned this. Watchman Nee has a book called Love Not the world, based on 1 John chapter 2. And in that book, he points out the Greek word world, that we translate world in English, is cosmos. And the cosmos is not the earth created by God. No, the earth created by God is wonderful. The cosmos is the satanic system in the world. And Watchman Nee tells us, behind that system is a mind. And the mind behind that system is satanic. You know, this age, I don't need to tell you what the philosophy of this age is, but it's satanic. So we need to get our mind renewed because we grew up in this environment. 
We were taught and educated in this environment. We've, whether we wanted to or not, we absorbed the philosophy of this age. And then we bring it into the church. One of the parts of the philosophy of this age that is particularly damaging is to make men women and women men. That's an attack on God's intention to gain the one new man. The proper relationship and the proper role, I would say, of the male and female, both in the human life and in the church life, is for the church. It's for God to have first this body of Christ built up and then a functioning new man. That philosophy is actually an attack on this. This is why we need renewing. This is why we need renewing. How can we get it? Well, hallelujah for God's word. The divine thought is embodied in the divine word. If I was to stand here and not speak, you have no idea what I'm thinking. But my thought is embodied in my words. So as I speak, now you know what I'm thinking. The divine thought is in the Word of God. The more we can get soaked and saturated and filled with the Word of God, listen, it will change your thinking. It will. I've been reading the Bible for a long time now, but I didn't start until I was a university student. And I thought exactly like everybody else in this age. Not today I don't. And I didn't even try to think differently. I got renewed. So especially all of us really, but especially younger ones, you need to start today and every day for the rest of your life. Take in the divine thought. That will wash away that old thought. Pretty soon, you know what you'll think? You'll think Christ. I'm not saying you'll think like Christ. This is like living Christ. You'll think Christ. It doesn't even mean you will think the way he thinks. No, his thought will become your thought. Isn't that wonderful? And that's how eventually we're all going to think the same thing. We will. Paul told the Philippians, you've got to think the same. And you've got to even think the same one thing. How can that happen? Get saturated with the Word. And I like the Word in Colossians when Paul applies right after Right after the verses I read in Colossians 3, you know what comes next? Let the word of Christ dwell in you. 
That's Paul's application. That's how, William, that we can get rid of all our distinctions. We'll both let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. That's going to make us one intrinsically, not just outwardly. So this is a little application for us. Because we're talking about a lofty matter here. And we're talking about a mysterious matter. Let's make sure when we leave this room, we know how to enter into it. What should I do if I... What should I do to be a part of the new man? Tell me. Okay. Eat the word. Did you say eat or read? (laughs) Now, brother... In John chapter 6, did the Lord tell the disciples to read the word? What did he say there? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. You know how we eat Jesus? The Word. You know, it, isn't it interesting? That book we carry around, the Bible, we call it the Word of God. But you know, the Word of God is also a person, isn't it? In the beginning was the Bible? No. In the beginning was a person who is the Word of God. So, listen, listen. There's a satanic mind behind the world. There's a divine person in the Word of God. And to eat the Word of God, or to eat Him. I know, Jules, it's a strange way of speaking, isn't it? To say we eat Him. But we didn't make it up. He did. It's in John chapter 6. And right after he told the disciples, you need to eat me, it says a lot of them couldn't handle that. Is he talking about cannibalism? No, he explained. It's the words. The words I have spoken to you. And then... He asked Peter, he said, are you going to go away too? He said, no, you have the words of eternal life. So how do we eat Jesus? We eat his word. And how do you eat the word? Well, it's through, let me tell you, just real simply. You don't just touch the letter of the word. You touch the person behind that word. You know those words? They're the words of a person. And we don't just get the words, we get the person. And how, do, how can we get the person in that word? I'll tell you how. Consider your Bible eating as a two-way conversation. You know, Jules, if I see you after the meeting... 
I say, hi, Jules. Yeah, he responded. I'm a living person. I'm going to contact another living person. When I say, hi, he, he responds. If he didn't, I'm, going to be, I'm not going to feel very good. I'm glad he responded. Now, husbands. When you tell your wife, I love you, you're expecting a particular response. Sisters, what is the only appropriate response to that? But how come when we read the Bible and we read Jeremiah 31 and we read the words, I have loved you with an eternal love. You know how we respond? We go, oh, that's a good verse. (laughs) Hmm, never thought about it before. (laughs) Wrong way to read the Bible. Every word in the Bible, consider it this. It's a person, it's his words to you. And they require a response. And what's the appropriate response? Depends which word you're reading. Sometimes the appropriate response is to weep. Sometimes the appropriate response is to rejoice. Sometimes the appropriate response is to repent. It just depends what he speaks to me, then I know what to speak in response to him. If you will practice eating the Word of God in this way, no one will ever have to encourage you to read the Bible again. You know why? You found out there's a person in that book. And I want to contact that person. So, oh, you know, the Bible should come with a warning label. Caution. This is addictive. (laughs) I'm an addict. I am. I'm an addict of the Word of God. Please do not cure me of this addiction. I'm trying to infect you with this virus. It's not the coronavirus. It's the Bible virus. I hope you catch it today. And if you do, even Dr. Stewart can't help you. Because he's an infected. Infected. He's an addict. He carries that germ. I'm telling you, he does. So you don't shake his hand. You're going to get the Bible virus. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, this is how we're going to become the new man. We're going to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And we're going to contact the person who is the person of the new man. And we're going to absorb his word, and his person will replace 
our person. So now we know how it's going to happen. It is mysterious, but it's something we can practice every day. And we should practice it every day. Okay, let's go on. I, I could talk about this for an hour, so I won't. Besides, we do need to keep the time. In the new man, all of us are simply one man. The requirement that everyone be only one man is extremely high, I'll say. That's the strictest requirement there could be. The new man, point E, the new man is not about members. Now, if we speak of members, we're talking about the body of Christ. It's about the person. Therefore, we all need to ask this question, who is my person? Is it I or is it the Lord Jesus? Well, now I come to another question for the Apostle Paul. I'm crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live, wait a minute, I thought I was crucified, but now I'm living again. Let me start over. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you understand it? Am I living or not? I'll tell you the secret. There's two eyes in Galatians 2.20. The first one got crucified, and the new one is the renewed one, who now lives with Christ as his person. That's so wonderful. So when we... I, I love this point, which our brother really did a great job on. He said, evaluate everything according to Christ. You know how we, well, just let me, let, since we're talking about the philosophy of the age, how does the age evaluate things? Is it right or is it wrong? That's the question. Hey, that's wrong. I'm right. No. Wrong question. Is it Christ? Or is it me? That's the question. That's the Christian life. That what is right and what is wrong, that's not the Christian life. That's the fallen human life. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we're on the tree of life. So our question is, not is it right, but is it Christ? Not did I do the right thing, but was Christ the person acting, or was it me? See, this is high. This standard is really high. And we need to reach this standard. If you really consider your own experience, we're just happy to be right. 
we say, oh, whew, I didn't make any big mistakes today. And when we're wrong, we say, oh, I feel so bad. But how come we don't feel bad when we did the right thing in the wrong person? We don't have any feeling about that. We don't say, Lord, today I didn't sin. At least nothing big. We don't say, Lord, today I wasn't sinful, I wasn't worldly, but I didn't live you, I just lived myself. And I repent for that. And we need to repent for that. You know why? Because if we just lived in in even our good self, there's such a thing. It's not inherently good. But there's, there's a part of the self that behaves properly and a part that behaves improperly. If we do that, even if we lived a sinless life, we would never become the new man. Can you see this? So this is what, this is a deep message. We're talking about Christ being our person. <laughs> For the new man. That means once we see this, we should have some feeling when we live a natural life that isn't Christ. Even if it's good, it's not Christ. And as long as it's not Christ, he's not getting this new man and we're not becoming that new man. Okay, let's go on. Point F. Don't worry, we're going to finish. My whole burden in this message is on this first page. So the rest we can cover much quicker. Point F, what God cares for is whether we live by Christ and take Christ as our person. Hey, look what's in number one, that little three-letter word, E-A-T. We should not only eat Christ's riches to take them in and assimilate them into our being. And brother, how do I eat Christ's riches to take them in and assimilate them into my being? Amen. Go on the name of the Lord and exercise my spirit. And? Pray me. And get saturated with the word of this person. Amen. Right? That's how. You know, that's why. Have you ever thought about this? You know, the Old Testament is the age of typology. The New Testament is the age of reality. And in this age of reality... We actually don't have hardly any symbols, hardly any. But the two that we do have are very, very significant. One is baptism. It looks like a ritual, but it isn't. It's a spiritual reality. I'm I'm not going to talk about that one. The other one, which the Lord himself instituted 
And we do it every week. We have the Lord's table. That's a symbol of something. What's it a symbol of? We're eating Jesus. And we live by eating Jesus. So the first thing we do every week, on the first day of the week, we eat Jesus. And have you ever noticed that we first take the bread and then the cup? And that's the sequence established by the Lord Jesus. But the, the cup signifies his blood. It signifies his judicial redemption. So remember John 6, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What, what he's saying is, experience my judicial redemption, my blood, so that you can also experience my organic salvation, which is his flesh. But in our experience, which one do we do first? First, we experience the blood. Am I right? So did the Lord Jesus get it backwards? How come we take the bread first? I'll tell you why. And it's meaningful. The Lord himself instituted that practice called the Lord's Table. By the way, even though it's an outward thing, we highly regard the Lord's Table meeting. We respect that. It's the only thing he told us. I want you to do this. Do this. And keep doing it until I come. So we highly regard that meeting. Listen, the Lord's Table is from God's divine point of view. He created us not with the intention that we would fall. He foreknew, he knew that we would fall, but that wasn't part of his plan, was it? No, his plan was he created us so that we could take him into us as the tree of life. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve did not at first take in the tree of life. They took in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to point out something to you. One of the trees is a life tree. The other tree is a knowledge tree. If I have a knowledge tree, what would the fruit be? It's not an apple. It's thoughts. It's a knowledge tree. What got into man that caused man to fall was the satanic thought. He planted it in Eve's mind. He said, you will not surely die. But God is withholding something good from you. Because if you just eat the tree of knowledge, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Does God want us to be like him? Actually, no. He wants us to be him. 
See, what Satan uses to deceive man, he doesn't just come and say, here, let me give you sin. He, every, no, one would, no one would take that. So what he does is he gives you something very close. It's so close, but it's not it. We have a, we have a name for that. It's called religion. Did you know Satan invented religion in the Garden of Eden? That's where it comes from. Strictly speaking, I know in society religion is a good word, but here it's not a good word. You know why? It replaces Christ. It replaces the real thing with a counterfeit. We don't want, we're not here to cultivate good behavior. We're here to get filled up with Christ. Amen. That's why we need to let the word of Christ dwell in us. Now, I had us read Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may make his home in you. Put together... Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 3.17. In Ephesians 3.17, it's Christ the person who dwells in you. In in Colossians 3.16, it's his word that dwells in us. This exactly matches the thought in John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Do you see what I'm saying? The words equal the person. They're not two things. You don't have the person and the words. No, the words are the person. So to let the word dwell in us is to let the person dwell in us. And I, I like Paul's word. He says, let. That is a conscious choice. We make a conscious choice to let this person and his words dwell in us. Now, Roman numeral two, for the practical existence of the one new man, the total person of the old man must be put away. And we must live by our new person. Here you have this word practical existence. What do we mean by that? Well, according to Ephesians chapter 2, the new man actually was created on the cross. Ephesians 2.15 says that he, he created the new man on the cross using the material of the Jews and the Gentiles. And... Actually, that's when this new man came into existence in reality. But that's not when this new man has its practical existence. It has its practical existence when you and I live in it. So that's what this point is doing. It's making a distinction between the creation of the new man, which happened on the cross, and the living of the new man, which we have to be able to see it today. I forgot to mention this earlier. 
I said, if there is such a thing as taking Christ as our person, we should be able to see it in the Bible, right? But you know where else we should be able to see it? There should be some evidence of it. I'll tell you, I had a crisis about, spiritual crisis about 15 years ago on this very point. I said, if transformation is real, it's not just a teaching in the Bible, there should be some evidence. Meaning, I should be able to point to people who have been transformed. And I looked in the mirror, I didn't see a person who had been transformed. You know, that man in the mirror is a real problem for all of us. I said, well, that guy, according to, doesn't look transformed to me. And then I looked around, I said, hmm, you guys don't look so good either. And I asked the Lord sincerely. I really did. I said, Lord, does this actually happen? Or is it just a teaching? The Lord told me, just consider the brothers and sisters who, who you've known for a long time. You can't measure this thing in a week or a month, or a year. You've got to measure it in decades, okay? It's like the human growth when you're growing up as a child. Every year, I would want to be, I would want to be much taller as a boy. And every year, I only grew that much. And I would be so disappointed because every year, on my birthday, my mother would measure our height, and she would tell us how much you grew this year, one inch. I'd say, I'm not growing. But it's slow. And the divine light is even slower because it's a higher life. So I thought, my wife knows this story, so... I can tell it even though she's not here. I I told you, I've been married to her for 40 years, but I've known her for 43 years. And I said, wow, transformation is real. If you just measure it over 40 years, and I just compare 40 years ago and today, yeah. There is such a thing as transformation. And then I took a big risk. Because I told my wife, she knew about this, and I told her, I said, you know, you're the reason I believe that transformation is real. (laughs) Then I took a very big risk, John. Be careful, brothers, this might backfire. (laughs) I said, "Uh, what about me? She said, oh, you are, you are so different than you were. See, when we look at ourselves, we, we don't see much progress. But 
honest your wife knows. You, if, okay, here's the secret. If you want to know, ask the wife. She'll, she'll tell you. And if you want to know about the wife, ask the husband. Okay, now the first point under Roman numeral two is it, the first word is realizing. And what we really mean by realizing is what our brother spoke about in the last meeting. It's an inner seeing. It's a revelation. It's a deep inner conviction. We realize that our former person is a crucified person. He is dead. And then we buried him. We had a funeral, which was your baptism. We buried your old man into death. The best funeral I've ever been to was my baptism. I mean it. That was the funeral of your old man. Don't dig him up. Leave him in the grave. That's the realization that we need to have. Then we, then we will realize we can't live in that person anymore. We can't. There cannot be. Look in the mirror tomorrow morning and say, man in the mirror, there cannot be you. No room in the new man for you. You're dead. You're buried. Stay in the grave. Sometimes I really do talk to that guy in the mirror. It's not bad. Try it. Then, after this realization, how do we live this life? Well, we have to deny that person. That's that denying of the self. Listen carefully. Denying the self equals living the new man. They're actually the same thing. They're two parts of one thing. You cannot live Christ if you're also living the self. But here's the good news. You can't live yourself if you're living Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So what's the denial? It's a conscious choice. It's a conscious choice. No, I will not live that old person. I'm not going to speak by that old person. I'm not going to do anything by that old person. I'm going to let this new person live in me. So we deny our former person, which the Bible calls the old man. He's really old. He's about 6,000. He's also called the outer man. And we live by our new person, which Ephesians 3 calls our inner man. Oh, Paul is too much. He doesn't say, be strengthened into your spirit, does he? He says, be strengthened into a different man. There's another man in you. Wow. 
Paul saw it, didn't he? He saw that Christ has to be our person. Now, C is very important. Our standard for being a Christian should not be right or wrong, good or bad. Our standard, here's our standard. Sometimes people ask us, do you have rules in the church life? Actually, we don't. But we, we have a very high standard. You know what it is? You have to be Christ. That's it. That's our only rule. We don't, we don't tell you how to dress. We don't have a dress code. We don't tell you how to behave. We don't have a behavior code. But don't think we're lawless. No, we've got, we've got a law. Everybody has to be Christ. It's the highest standard there is. Highest standard of morality. The highest standard of living is to live Christ. We should not care for the adjustment. Sorry, I lost my place. We should not care for the adjustment of our behavior. But I I like this utterance. The inward shifting from the old person to the new person. Okay, you're driving a car. It's time to shift. You're driving in the old man. It's time to shift into the new man, Michael. Just shift. Just shift and your driving will change. You know how you shift gears in the spiritual life? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, third gear. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus, fourth gear. I shifted out of myself into my inner man. We make this inward shift by praying, which includes our calling on the name of the Lord. And you know what? You can actually shift very quickly. Once you become a good spiritual driver, if you understand my my analogy, you can shift just like that. The bad news is you can shift out just as quick. You know, in Matthew 16, Peter shifted twice, real quick. He said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Shifted right on into his spirit. Then, get behind me, Satan. You, he shifted right back into his old man. So, this is our... This is our Christian life, isn't it? We're all Peter, every last one of us. We, just, we don't even need another name. We just Everybody here is Peter, <laughs> including me. Because we do this. We do what Peter did. He's our representative. Let's make the positive shift day by day. When we live our life by taking Christ as our person, especially in making decisions, our living will be the living of the new man. Sorry, let me mention very quickly, back to this point, if if it's really true that we can live another person, we, 
we should be able to point to some people who did that. Well, you know what? We can. One was Paul. And that's the next point on the outline. But I want, today I want to remind you, not, it wasn't only Paul. There was Stephen. You know, when Stephen was martyred, please consider this. When Peter, uh, Stephen was martyred, it's recorded there in the book of Acts, the words that he spoke were the same words that the Lord Jesus spoke on the cross. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Do you believe that while those rocks were hitting Stephen, he was thinking, oh yeah, what was that again that Jesus said? I should probably repeat what he was saying. No, he's being stoned to death. No, this man, he had become Christ. This is not what would Jesus do. No, this is be Jesus. Okay? And this living, this life that we have, even humanly, you know what the human life is? It's a series of decisions, isn't it? And every day is a series of decisions. That's what living is. It's a series of making decisions. So, it makes a difference if you say, man in the mirror, I have decided not to live by you. Our human will, I'm not talking about willpower, but we have to choose. And when we choose, something happens. And what happens is, let me tell you what that choice is. Simply, that choice is the denial of our human will. Just like what happened in Matthew 26, 37, in the Garden of Gethsemane, The Lord, as a man, consciously denied his own will and consciously chose the divine will. So he prayed, not my will. Let's all say those three words. Not not my will. Not my will. will. But your will be done. And when you pray that, then the Lord will fulfill that prayer. But if you don't consciously choose to deny your will, he can't do it. Because you have a free will. It's clear, isn't it? Oh, Lord, I'm I'm out of time. I'm just going to summarize the last two points. Because actually, I've released my burden already. You You got my burden already. The rest, I'll summarize for you. Because you still have a message to give. You're not get, well, I'm not leaving this place till I hear your message. The next big point, and I've already said it, Paul is a pattern of taking Christ as our person. And all the points on this point are verses. So let's just read those, not the subpoints. 
just A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Okay? Brothers, point A. Sisters B. Brothers. My children, with whom I travail again in birth, until Christ is formed in you. Sisters. Christ may make himself in your hearts today. Brothers. God is my witness. How I long after you all to be in the parts of Christ Jesus. Sisters. Brothers, for also what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your sake, in the person of Christ. Altogether on H, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Walking according to the Spirit equals living Christ. Christ today in resurrection and ascension is the life-giving spirit in our spirit, which is a mingled spirit. But did you know this? Your spirit is a person. In your soul is a person called yourself. Deny that one. In your spirit is another person, Christ. Let that one live. At last point, let's just read the Roman numeral. That's the goal. That's why I said in the last session, we are at a time when the Lord wants to consummate this age. And the goal is just this, the built-up, body of Christ, which is the fully matured new man who has the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that man is the bride in Ephesians 5 and also the warrior in Ephesians 6. So the goal of the Lord's recovery is this new man. Now you finish this message, please, because I see I didn't, again, I didn't finish it, so you have to.